Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hello and welcome to a bonus edition of the Curzon Film Podcast. Coming to you from the south of France, we're wearing 50 protection sun cream, not for the sun, but just to handle the scorching takes coming out of Cannes. I'm Jake Cunningham and I'm joined by our man in Cannes, Damo Spanley. Great to be here, Jake. Uh, now, for those listeners uh, who are new to the show, Damo's been on a number of times because he's our head of programming. We've, uh, we've brought him back from Berlin, from London, from Toronto, uh, and I'll be chatting to him uh, for a sh- few short episodes about some of the highlights from the Quasette. Uh, but first, uh, let's talk about what you're actually doing here, Damo, because as I understand it, it's just a two-week holiday. Yeah, that's it really, just hanging around, drinking cocktails and uh, no, actually it's, no one ever believes us, but it's really, really hard work at a festival. I mean, we watch five or six movies a day, uh, which people say, well, that's not really work, but obviously there's admin and reports and, um, you know, and meetings and business and networking and everything else. And it's usually a sort of fairly, you know, sleep deprived, adrenaline filled, you know, week or week or so. Um, where we're just trying to consume as much as we can. And of, of course, we are distributors as well. So we, we have a team who are also out here uh, scouring the market and having meetings of upcoming Yeah, so for, so for listeners who uh, really may not know any, uh, at all what a programmer would do, from even before CAN or any of this happens from a day-to-day, how would you describe what it is you're doing and how then like coming to a festival like that, this will influence that? Well, we, well myself and... and uh, our programming team are responsible for all of the movies and events that play in the cinemas and also uh, into Curzon On Demand, our streaming uh, platform in the home. And uh, that means that we are constantly abreast or we try our very best to be constantly up to date with all the movies that are coming out. And we're making sort of, you know, cur- cur- you know making uh, curatorial choices about what plays in the cinemas which also means a lot of negotiation, scheduling, um, and deal-making, and being here is a time where we can see all of the films that are coming. It's future. It's a, a future research project. Mm-hmm. All of the films that are going to be coming out over the next uh, sort of six to 12 months, 
and we can see them early we can start to plan ahead and uh even start to sort of have some of those early conversations about getting some of these movies in mm -hmm. to curtain cinemas yeah and i think it even goes beyond that i'm thinking of like in a couple of weeks we'll have episodes on uh jean femme and uh amon Dubel. i'm sorry for that pronunciation francois <laughs> close, close um, enough. <laughs> uh, but like those are films that played last year and they're not, right. they're not hitting us for what 13 months yeah that's right most of the films we're watching here are uh, getting their very first premiere and um, you know internationally and many of them you know have been rushed through and completed uh, for this festival so uh, you know what happens after that of course is that the you know the business and commercial side of those releases has to be has to take place mm -hmm. has to be uh, you know the films are then sold to international territories the, which the UK and Ireland are one of course and then uh, that distributor has to plan ahead work its UK premiere so a lot of the films here will premiere in London at the London Film Festival in October and uh, and then, of course, after that, look for the right moment, mm. the right date for the film to be released. And yes, that can take over a year. Yeah. So let's uh, let's talk about the first film that was announced for this year's festival, which was Everybody Knows, which uh, everybody knows has not had the best reception. No, it hasn't. I mean, I, I sent a tweet the other day to defend it a little bit. Um, it's been getting sort of three-star reviews, which, of course, you know, is fine. You know, three stars means it's a good movie. But because it's an Asghar Fahadi um, movie, the bar is set very high, very high expectations. Yeah, so this is... Um, yeah, the uh, guy that most recently made The Salesman. That's uh, Oscar winner for a language film. Uh, Peter Bradshaw gave it a four-star review, but he's, he's a little bit of a lone wolf um, at this week and the, the buzz has been a little bit negative on the film but uh, I think it's a grower and it might not be one of his strongest films in terms um, of some of the you know really groundbreaking movies he's made in the past but it's a really good watch yeah and do you think maybe it struggles from the pressure of being you've got opening night at Cannes you're always going to have all the eyes on you and so if you slip up at anything people are really going to jump on it as well Absolutely. I mean, Ishmael's Ghost last year was a very good example of that, um, of a film that was, you know, it's just, it, people do queue up. There's a sort of weird stigma about being, there's a lot of pressure on that opening, on that opening movie. And uh, I, I think it's probably a little harsh to say that's the reason, but, but I, I think really there's just a huge amount of expectation around him as a filmmaker. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and so he's judged in a slightly more um, uh, critical way. Yeah. In, for that reason but it's a it's a really good film I mean he's put together what I would could only describe as a sort of Avengers team of <laughs> Spanish speaking actors you know Penelope Cruz Javier Bardem and Ricardo Danin and um, it's my ropey pronunciation uh, Duran Dera anyway uh, just pick one of those and uh, you know the biggest Spanish speaking stars in the world mm. and uh, the film starts out as a uh, small town family drama it's set around a wedding and Penelope Cruz's prodigal daughter returning from Argentina um, with her family uh, I don't want to give too much away but a kidnap takes place and because the family are fearful of going to the police they try and sort of handle it internally and what happens is that through this difficult time cracks start to appear in the relationships in the family and mm. their close friends and old scores 
start to come to the fore. And the film does something very clever with this idea of um, a victim, which I would certainly spoil the film if I talked any yeah. more about it. But um, it's a little bit, it, it plays a little bit like a sort of really good Ruth Rendell right. mystery, to okay. be honest. Yeah, in a, in a sense. And great performances, as you would expect, and it's beautifully made and crafted. Mm. Um, I just think that it just doesn't hit some of the heights and that it perhaps follows slightly more familiar route than some of his other movies and consequently he's he's gone into a little bit of rough water for that reason yeah. and do we know when we're going to be expecting to see that in cinemas yet or well there's been a de- there's been a deal it was one of the first big deals of the market that was announced and focus features have picked it up for um i'm not sure if it's the world but certainly for several territories including the uk mm. and they normally go out through universal pictures um so i'd expect that they'll uh, they'll be They'll be looking for a date probably um, probably early next year, I would imagine, but I'm just speculating. Okay. Uh, and so Askov Hardy's well-known in these parts. He's got, uh, played the festival a number of times. But let's move to maybe a directing team that still new uh, with a, a pitch called Birds of Passage, which I think you're very excited about. But I think a lot of people are excited about uh, this one because of uh, a little film called Embrace of the Serpent. Yeah, Embrace the Serpent um, came from sort of nowhere in, well, in the, it was released in the UK in 2016. Um, I remember it was Curzon Bloomsbury's top film of that year. And we had a, a, a very high market share on that movie. Our Curzon members really responded well to it. And um, I mean, this was actually co-directed this film, but it's uh, Ciro Guerra who directed Embrace of the Serpent. It's, um, it's his follow-up. He's directing with Christina Gallego. All probably very ropey pronunciations, yeah. but um, I think we can accept that this whole episode. <laughs> yeah, let's just not, write it off. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah, it's it's really going to take people a little bit by surprise. Um, it's it has a sort of tribal theme, and it's set. Uh, I think the action starts in 1968, and it's set in the Colombian desert, and I mean literally, you know, sand as far as you can see. And it's the it starts off as a sort of investigation into uh, the sort of uh, the clans that live in this area and their very strange customs and superstitions and rituals. One of the, the opening scene is a, a young woman being released from this hut where she's been held in captivity pretty much for a year. And the tradition is that once she has this year of confinement, she becomes a woman. And then she is presented to the men, this, you know, uh, very patriarchal. Um, well, I say that, actually, but the, 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 the strongest woman, in, the strongest person in the tribe is, uh, is this uh, woman who, um, who has vision. And he's, been, he's given this huge dowry. If he wants to marry this young girl, he has to um, come up with so many goats and so mm. many, you know. And, and he has nothing. So he sat with his friend trying to figure out you know how can I find this dowry and they come up with this idea of selling some weed (laughs) to these American hippies who just happen to be passing through and basically that moment in the film is the birth of the Colombian drug trade right so it takes this really unexpected direction um from being this sort of very um or it sounds very Embrace of the Serpent-y stuff. Very Embrace of the Serpent going straight off to um, sort of Escobar mm. style. Um, but but all within these strange rules and rituals mm. of the of the clans. So, yeah, it's a re- really, a really unusual one. Not Probably not for everyone. It has this, you know, because it has this shift in it. But 
certainly one of the most talked about films on the Quasette. I'm just going to take this opportunity to highlight something from the short films program, which listeners might not know uh, that my work outside of Curzon involves a lot of short films. And there is a particular one that's played this year called uh, Our Song to War, which had uh, massive Embrace the Serpent vibes, uh, that kind of upriver journey, but uh, with a reversed colonialist angle of that we're so used to it being that Conrad feeling of it we're focused on the person on the river who's journeying upwards yeah and you're looking at uh kind of lost city of zed and apocalypse now and those characters and this yeah. is looking at the people who are on the other end of that journey and the people that are in the forest or or in the desert and, that sounds really interesting yeah yeah uh Japon by Carlos Regalas is another great example of one of those of yeah those we, uh, we let you do other things yeah when I, when you let me out of the podcast booth <laughs> I just run away and watch short films <laughs> And then, like, it's, it's just because I don't get much time out, so I have to do shorts, and then just so I can fit in a little. If that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> I like that logical approach. <laughs> right, and so the last one that we'll highlight uh, in this little episode, I think, has got to be um, uh, Pavel Pavlikovsky's Cold War, uh, which I, I've just seen today, uh, but you've had uh, a little bit of time to linger on as well. This is the follow-up to Ida, which was uh, winner of the uh, London Film Festival Best Film. I think it was Oscar winner for Foreign Language. Is that right? Uh, I think it was, yeah. yeah. I think I think it was, yeah. And um, and was a, a, a was a, a Curzon release. Yeah, I'm mean, very proud of. I really love that film. Um, I remember that year was it was a tough one in the end. Trying to, me trying to decide what was my film of the year with two quite different pictures between Ida and The Raid Two. Uh, which if you ever did a double bill, I don't think would quite work. But maybe as a programmer, you'd be able to figure out the right event of how we could put together Ida and the Raid 2. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) That's why I have to switch the audience halfway through. Um, I I remember Ida in particular, because, you know, we we always remember movies that that we love and we remember particular special feelings while watching those films. Uh, I mean, I have a terrible memory, but I always remember the cinema that I watched every film in. And I do remember with Ida, I watched it in the market in the Berlin Film Festival, where basically, you know, you have people on their phones and you have, you know, you have, you know, people walking in and walking out. And uh, it was absolutely packed. Nobody took their phone out. Nobody got, got left. And it got a round of applause at the end, which was just probably the only time in my career that that's happened. So wow. it's such a powerful impact on a, on a bunch of sort of world-weary, um, hardened professionals. Um, but yeah, I mean, this, so this is Pawlikowski returning to that space. You know, it's, it's, it's shot in just insanely beautiful black and white photography, as Ida was. And uh, it's, uh, I mean, the Cold War that's referenced in the, t- in the title is actually between two people, um, although it played out um, in that period. I think it's the late 40s when the Yeah, film I think it starts opens. in 49. Yeah. And uh, I mean, the opening of the film is just terrific. It's about uh, a group that are f- um, a little bit like you, actually, Jake, with this recording equipment. They're, yeah. following, they're traveling around uh, the local, local countryside. I do and- like to think of myself as a <laughs> member of the Polish mountain folk community. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I mean I'd mean, i like to think that I'm better looking than some <laughs> of the people that he photographed, but I certainly don't have their talent. And he's, uh, sorry, recorded. And they're recording and basically um, putting together a troupe of traditional singers, dancers and musicians in order to travel the country and sort of celebrate 
you know, uh, Polishness and of course, the, uh, yeah, the, this the, traditional the, folk music, yeah, traditional free. folk music, and uh, and also the uh, the uh, influence from, um, from Moscow, of mm. course, and uh, and in and in this moment, one of the musicians who's running the program uh, falls in love with a young singer, and the film follows their tempestuous relationship over mm. a number of decades. Yeah, it's a it is a stunningly beautiful film. Uh, the music's fantastic as well. I think there's there's a really lovely jazz scene in Ida and I think maybe he's um, he That's fell in love with that as much as that, uh, yeah. audiences did and wanted to take that opportunity to delve into how you could use this uh, like monochromatic uh, fluid lovely camera within a more musical setting so well choreographed but never feels super staged even though some of the some of the images in it feel like paintings uh, and that you could just sit and stare at for ages. They don't feel overly composed at the same time. It's still got a na- natural feeling to it. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. And the acting is traditional. Is yeah, The acting is terrific. I mean, in particular, Joanna Kulig, who's the, who's the young girl, uh, it's a very hypnotic performance from her. And uh, using a lot of uh, non-professional actors to sort of create atmosphere mm. and authenticity. And yeah, and the, the reaction from the screening, its premiere last night has just been phenomenal. And um, uh, I've made the joke today, and I'm going to make it now, that it may well be in pole position for the Palm Door. That's good. Thank you very much. Um, I'm here all week. Yeah, uh, um, actually, I bumped into someone yesterday who had uh, who'd put bets on this and the Spike Lee. For the oh, Palm really? Door. So that's now in my head as what the competition is. <laughs> that's, very um, good. Yeah. that's very good. And uh, I mean, yeah, five star review in the Guardian, mm. which is a great start for us. Um, you know, in terms of our uh, us growing an audience for the film. Yeah, this has come out of the blocks a bit faster than Ida, and it makes me think that hopefully people will go back and find that film as well that maybe haven't seen it already. I do hope so. Right, so uh, that's maybe the coverage of films that we've seen already. What are you looking forward to? Yeah, there's a few things that are, are coming up that I'm quite excited about. Uh, there's a new Lars von Trier, mm. the house that Jack built, uh, which has uh, Matthew Modi in a, a role that, um, yeah, I think is going to uh, surprise a few people. <laughs> um, uh, I read somewhere that they're not allowing uh, von Trier in front of a microphone, but I'm not sure if that's, that's, that's true. a sensible that's move. Um, the director of It Follows... David, David Robert, Robert Mitchell, Mitchell is 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 here with his uh, next film, Under the Silver Lake, which has a really fun trailer. If anyone wants to check that out online, um, and uh, also Dogman has caught my eye as well from the Gomorrah uh, director. Oh, Matteo Garoni. Yeah, yeah. So much, um, yeah. this is uh, he's almost he's going like dipping back into his his old classics because he he did, um, he went and did Tale of Tales, which is. Very different yeah, after really Gomorrah sort of type odd, stuff. Odd move for him. Sort yeah. Of, yeah, sort of strange, surreal uh, period fantasy movie. No, but this is very much back where um, uh, where perhaps he belongs. Mm. And um, of what I've seen of the film so far, it's shot in a seaside housing estate that that makes the Gomorrah uh, makes the Gomorrah uh, locations look a bit like here <laughs> and the French Riviera. Um, so I'm really looking forward to that. Brilliant. Um, so head over to the Curzon blog uh, for more updates from the Curzon team throughout Cannes, uh, as well as uh, Damo's contributions to that. Uh, if you haven't already, dip back into the uh, the latest episodes of the podcast. Uh, we've just released an episode with Ian McKellen, which is about McKellen playing the part, a new uh, documentary about the great man, uh, which is going to be live in cinemas on the 
27th. And also uh, go back and check out uh, our recent episode on Lean on Pete, which features Charlie Plummer, uh, as well as our episode on Beast featuring Michael Pierce. If you've got any thoughts on the Cannes Films or the Film Festival as a whole, uh, do feel free to email us at podcast at curzon.com. Um, and I think that's probably going to be it for a few days. We'll catch up uh, on Monday and maybe have a chat about what we've seen over the weekend. Uh, I'm looking forward to watching the latest Goddard. And I'm sure you and I are very much looking forward to waking up at half seven on Sunday for a delightful Gaspar Noe climax. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that time of the morning, it's a bit <laughs> like drinking a bottle of bourbon or something. But um, but yeah, no, all that, yeah, he's uh, always a treat. Yeah. Anyway, thanks for joining us. You're welcome. Thank you.